Amen. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, whatever time of day it is where you are. Let's begin with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you right now in the name of Jesus for this day. Lord, I ask that you would bless all those that are listening. Lord, that they would live a life, Lord, that is conducive to you blessing them, Father, because we know that you can't bless disobedience, but Lord, you bless obedience. You bless faith, Lord, and faith produces obedience to your word and to your commandments. So, Father, we ask, Lord, that you would help us to be a people, Lord, that are uh, obedient and a people that have good ears to hear and good eyes to see, Lord, that, Father, we are those that are in tune with your voice and that listen to your voice. Even as you said, Shema, O Israel, the Lord is one. Uh, Lord, you want us to hear you. You want us to not only hear you, but to listen, to not only be a hearer of the word, but a doer of the word. And the word is your thoughts, your commandments, the actions that you require from a heart that is totally given to you, that is sold out to you, a heart, Lord, that is uh, pliable, one that is not uh, stiff or hard, because, Lord, you said that if we hear your voice, that we are not to harden our hearts as your people did in the rebellion in the wilderness. So, Father, I thank you right now in the name of Jesus, Lord, all those that are dealing with COVID-19, we pray that you would heal their bodies, that you would raise them up in the name of Yeshua. Lord, those that have lost loved ones to COVID-19, Lord, we pray that you comfort their hearts, that you minister to them, and Lord, that you would let them know, Father, that you are the one who they are to rely on and to depend on and to trust in. So we thank you right now, Lord, for this podcast. We ask that you would use me, Lord, in the name of Jesus, anoint me and use me for your honor and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for joining me again for Rev Kev and The Root. Uh, we've been talking about realms and the trichotomy of mankind. Uh, the title of this particular podcast is Realms and the Trichotomy of Mankind Going Down into Egypt and the Two Pharaohs. Uh, and of course, we've been talking about exercising our senses, and we're still in that uh, same uh, uh, same uh, vein of thought. And we we're we're still talking about our senses because just because we get saved doesn't mean that our senses stop. That we are all of a sudden, you know, blind to what's around us or deaf to what uh, is uh, what is around us, but we still. Uh, have the use of our our senses and our faculties. Well, before we get uh, too deep into the lesson today, uh, I just want to start off with uh, a couple of passages of Scripture. And one of them is our foundational Scripture for our series of lessons talking about realms and the trichotomy of mankind exercising our spiritual senses in uh, Hebrews chapter number 5, verse 12, it says, For when for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk, and not strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he or she is a babe, meaning a baby. Verse 14 of Hebrews chapter 5 says, But strong meat 
belongeth or belongs to them that are of full age or those that are mature, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Those that have their senses exercised to discern both good and also to uh, discern good and evil. Also, another uh, passage of scripture that I would like to share uh, comes out of the book of Isaiah. Because, and the reason why I share this scripture in Isaiah is because when we're looking at the Bible, when we open the Bible and we're reading the Bible, uh, we're actually looking at someone's actual life that they lived, but uh, the angle by which we view the scriptures cannot be from our natural senses because the Bible is a spiritual book. And in Hebrews, the Bible also says, I believe it's chapter four, it talks about how the word is, a, is quick and it's alive, uh, sharper than any double-edged sword, piercing to asunder of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. So the Bible is a, a, a spiritual book. Jesus said, the words that I speak are spirit and they are life. So we cannot look at the Bible through natural eyes. And this is the sense that we're going to be dealing with uh, for a little while in our podcast is the sense of sight. So in Isaiah chapter 55, um, beginning with verse number six, the Lord says through the prophet Isaiah, seek ye the Lord while he may be found Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord. In other words, let him repent and he will have mercy upon him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. For this is the Lord saying this now in verse eight of himself. He says, for my thoughts or not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it." It shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. Now, when the Lord is talking about his thoughts, because many times when we look at the scriptures, we try, I think, in my opinion, we try to match um, uh, the, the, the things that are going on in the word to everyday life or to the uh, to the thought patterns or how we would do things and we try to figure it out from our angle from our perspective and and so we begin to con compare scriptures even 
and it was a first century uh, um, many scenarios that happened happened in the first century in the Bible. It was a different culture. It was a different time. And also it is a spiritual book, but we try to fit it into our normal thinking or our 21st century thinking. And we try to figure out what is going on or uh, figure it out from our own our own thinking. I'm trying my best to to really uh, to really articulate what I what I what I really want to say. And it's kind of difficult in a sense. But however, when God is talking about his thoughts, the word in the Hebrew is chashab, which means scheme or plot is what it means. Also, when he's when he's talking about his ways, uh, 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 well, let me say this. When he's talking about his his thoughts, he's talking about his schemes, his plots, his purposes and his designs. Sometimes we cannot really figure out or we cannot see God in a specific uh, situation or in a specific scenario in our lives because it is beyond us. He said, my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. God doesn't think on the same level that you and I think on. He thinks on a way, way, way higher level than what we think on. That's why sometimes when we read some things in the Bible, we just can't get it. We just can't understand it. We just can't grasp it because it's so much more elevated than where we are because our minds are finite, but his mind is infinite, which means limitless. Our minds has, they have, um, our minds have uh, limits and, and uh, also uh, 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 boundaries and things like that. We can only think so far. We can only see so far. We can only reason so far, but God is without bounds. His reasoning goes way, way past us. And sometimes we cannot even see God in a situation because what he is doing is so much higher than where we are. What God is working out is so much more higher. It's, it's, it's so much more elite than where we are, you see. And so it takes uh, something more for us to really be able to see God in life, in life, in any situation in life. And so sometimes it may seem like God is not even with us in our specific situation or in our specific incident that's going on in our lives or our scenarios that's going on in our lives uh, uh, throughout our day or whatever, we may not even recognize that that is God working in that situation. And sometimes when we look at a situation, we think it should work one way, but it looks like to us that it's working in just the opposite. But yet when you know who God is and you know that uh, something about, because you're not, you're not going to know everything, I'm not going to know everything. But when you know something about how God operates, you, you know that God is doing something. You may not know exactly what he's doing. It may seem like the situation is totally out of control. It may seem like the situation is totally negative, but nevertheless, you know that God is involved in your life. You know that God has everything under his control. And so you know that God is working something. He doesn't explain everything to us uh, on the outset, just as he didn't with Joseph. He gave Joseph a, two dreams. He gave him a dream of the sheaves, Bowing down to his sheaf, he gave him a dream of the stars 
and the sun and the moon bowing down to to uh to to his star or what have you or to him rather uh so he didn't really, God didn't give him the whole picture. He didn't tell him that he was going to go down into Egypt. He didn't tell him that his brethren were going to sell him down into Egypt. He didn't tell him that he was going to be tempted by uh, uh, Potiphar's wife uh, uh, and that she was going to set him up and that he was going to go to jail. And then uh, uh, he was going to interpret Pharaoh's dreams. And then uh, Pharaoh was going to elevate him to a governor in Israel, God, uh, or rather in Egypt, that God, uh, Pharaoh was going to elevate him to governor in Egypt, but nevertheless, God was working through all of those situations because as we said last time in our podcast, we said that Joseph told his brethren, he said, don't be angry with yourselves because it wasn't you that sent me down here, but it was God that sent me ahead of you to preserve life, to save life and to preserve you a posterity in the earth. And so uh, a lot of times, you know, we can't really see because of how we look at things. And so and, and by what means we look at things. Now, that's very important how we look at things, by what means we look at things and things. I mean, life situations, life scenarios, you know, and, and, and uh, so I want to share another passage of scripture. It's found in Romans chapter 11, verse number 33, Romans 11. Verse number 33, Romans also is a book of the Apostle Paul. And Paul, uh, many of you already know who Paul was. Excuse me, and, and uh, Romans, let me get over there, Romans chapter 11 and verse number 33. And he says, this is a type of, really looks like a type of doxology where Paul is winding, kind of like winding up. But he still has a lot more to say in this book of Romans. All right. Romans eleven thirty three, He says, Oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord or who hath been his counselor? Or who hath first given to him, and it shall be recompensed unto him again. For of him, and through him, and to him are all things. To whom be glory forever. Amen. Did you hear that? Let me read it one more time. Romans chapter 11, verse 33. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways. Remember, we talked about ways in Isaiah chapter 55, uh, his ways past finding out for who hath known the mind of the Lord or who hath been his counselor or who hath first given to him and it shall be recompensed unto him again for of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. And so, uh, you know, let me let me just share this, this other scripture with you. First uh, Corinthians chapter two, beginning with verse number six, the book of, of Corinthians was written to the church at Corinth uh, in Asia Minor, uh, which is now modern day Turkey. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, beginning with verse 6. Remember, I said it's, 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 it's how we see things and by what means we see things 
in things, of course, like I said before, we're talking about how we see life and the scenarios that involve that are are involved in life uh, that happen to us every day. First uh, Corinthians chapter two, verse six, Paul says, how be it? We speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which one, uh, which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us. Listen at this. But God has revealed them unto us by his spirit, for the spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man save the spirit of a the spirit of man? First Corinthians chapter two, verse eleven. Which is in him, even so the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak not in words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual, but the natural man, listen at this, but the natural man, the man without the spirit, the natural man receiveth not the things of the spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Remember what, what we talked about in Hebrews uh, in chapter five, how we said that, you know, we had our, our senses exercised that we might be able to discern, to tell the difference, or to be able to separate one thing from another. But he that, or tell what something is, but he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind, there it is again, but who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ, Paul says. And so, uh, this, you know, like I said, it matters how what we see with our eyes and how we see it by what means we see it. And we're talking about this, the sense of sight right now. And that's what we're going to be talking about for a little while. Uh, how we process what our senses receive. And the sense that we're talking about is the sense of sight in Matthew chapter six. Uh, in verse 22, Jesus said, but the lamp of the body is the eye. Therefore, if your eye shall be sound, your whole body also will be illuminated. But if your eye shall be bad, your entire body will be uh, darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, uh, how great will be your darkness? Now, man, no man, excuse me, no man can work for two masters, for either he will hate one and will love the other, or he will honor one and the other he will ignore. 
you cannot work for God and for money. In the Greek, the word for lamp, he said the, 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 the lamp of the body is the eye. The word for lamp in the Greek is lixnos. It means an oil-fed portable lamp, usually set on a stand. Now, the Greek word for eye is ophthalmos. The eye comes from optonome, optonome, uh, which we, where we get our word optometry from, which means to appear or to be seen from, is from a primitive root, uh, horao, and the word, the Greek word horao uh, means to see, to perceive, to look upon, to experience, to be aware, or to discern. Did you hear that? Now, let me ask a question. Is the eye that we are looking through a good eye? Matthew 622, uh, 622. Jesus said, therefore, if your eye shall be sound, uh, uh, this, this is uh, said to be a common proverb, which is quoted, uh, which Yeshua quoted rather. Uh, what he said when he said, if your eye be, be good, then your whole body shall be full of light. And if your eye be evil, then your whole body shall be full of darkness. That is said to be a proverb in Israel that is quoted. Now, in Judaism, having a good eye or ayin is the is the uh, the Hebrew word means being generous or looking at someone positively. Having a good eye is believed to mean uh, being generous or looking at someone positively. Now, having a bad eye, uh, and ayin ra'a, means being stingy or having a negative outlook towards others. Now, we know that all people are visual people. Now, except for those that were born blind or by some... Uh, accident became blind or what have you but uh naturally we are visual people and 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 that's why you know even at the movies they they sell so many tickets and people want to go to the movies because of what they see and the movies are becoming more and more uh uh uh, uh complex and 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 more uh you get more drama and and more visual effects and things like that because we are visual people, so we are drawn by certain things that 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 we see, and so. But it's not what we see, but it's how we see what we see, and and so. Uh, this this was a proverb that was quoted. Now, everything that enters our senses is passed through our brain. Everything that enters our senses is passed through our brain. It matters. How we see what we see. It matters how we see what we see. Now, first, let's consider the eyes and the construction and the function of the eye. Uh, all the parts of the eye work together to help us to see. Number one, light passes. Uh, now, th this information that I'm about to give you comes from, uh, uh, lest I forget, it comes from the National Eye Institute, the National Eye Institute. All right. So number one, light passes through the cornea, which is the clear layer of the eye 
that is shaped like a dome and bends the light to let the eyes focus. Some of the light enters the eye through the pupil. The iris, which is the colored part of the eye, controls how much uh, light the pupil lets in. Next, the light passes through the lens, a clear inner part of the eye. The lens works together with the cornea to focus light correctly on the retina. When light hits the retina, a light-sensitive layer of tissue at the back of the eye, special cells called photoreceptors, turn the light into electrical signals. These electrical signals travel from the retina through the optic nerve to the brain. Then the brain turns the signals into the images that you see. Now, a lot of when we look at something, a lot of it has to do with genetics. It has to do with uh, uh, things that were passed down to us from our fathers, from those who uh, were responsible uh, for us being uh, put there into the womb. Amen. And all of these things, the Bible says that the life is in the blood. So it's talking about uh, the, the, the life that we live, the existence that we live is one of genetics and those things that are passed down. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 17, God told Adam, he said, But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest up thereof, thou shalt surely die. We all know that Adam ate of the tree, Adam and Eve, and they did not die physically, but they did die spiritually. They died morally. And, and, and in Genesis chapter 3, verse 7, it, the Bible says, and the eyes of them both were open and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves girdles. Now, God told him what was going to happen. He said that you're going to know uh, he said that you're going to have the knowledge of good and evil. In other words, you're going to have an experiential knowledge. You, you, maybe at one time they knew what it was, but, and, but they were guided by the voice of God. But now they're going to have an experiential knowledge. God never planned for man to experience evil, only good. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 17 says, but I say this, Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus, but I say this and testify in the Lord Jehovah that from now on you should not be walking as other Gentiles or unregenerate people. Christians should not, they should not walk or they should not, the word walk means to, it means your lifestyle. It means how you conduct your life. So we should not conduct our lives as someone who doesn't know the Lord, who walk, he said, they walk in the emptiness of their minds and they are dark in their intellects, so dark, with, uh, crooked, without light and are aliens to the life of God because there is no knowledge in them and because of the blindness of their heart. And the reason why they're blind is why? Because they don't have any light. We know that one thing that, that, uh, that the eyes need to be able to see is light. And in the Bible, light is, uh, uh, is uh, the light that we see, natural light, is, 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 is can be compared to revelation 
because light causes us to be able to see where we're going. And when we have the light from God, the revelation from God, then we're able to see what the word says. We're able to walk in his ways because we're able to understand from a uh, illuminated point of view what God requires of us, what he wants from us. That's why I said it, it matters how we see what we see. Are we looking at it through natural eyes or are we looking at it through spiritual eyes? Romans chapter 1 says this in verse 21, because they knew God and they did not glorify him as God, nor did they give thanks. But they became destitute in their reasoning and became dull in their heart without understanding. And when they thought in themselves that they were wise, they became insane and they changed the glory of God who is indestructible into the likeness of the image of man, which is uh, destructible and into the likeness of birds and of four-footed animals uh, and of creeping things of the earth. And this is what these people did in Romans chapter one. They took uh, and they tried to change the image of God. And that's what people are trying to do today because of how they look at things, because of how they see things, because of the sense of sight that, that had, they really don't have any light. That's why Jesus said, I am the light of the world. I am going to help you see correctly. I am going to help you see the way that you ought to see. In John chapter 11, verse uh, number nine, Yeshua said to them, are there not 12 hours in a day? If a man walks in the daylight, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. And if a man walks in the night, he stumbles because there is no light in him. In John chapter eight, in verse number nine, Yeshua said, Yeshua is Jesus. Yeshua said to them, are there not 12 hours in a day? If a man walks in the daylight, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. Verse 10, and if a man walks in the night, he stumbles because there is no light in him. But he says, I am the light of the world. In Ephesians, the, the church at Ephesus, Paul again is writing in Ephesians chapter one, Verse number 16, he says, I do not cease to give thanks for you and to remember you in my prayers so that the God of our Lord, Yeshua, the Messiah, the father of glory, will give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation uh, with his knowledge and that the eyes of your hearts would be enlightened, that you will know what is the hope of his calling and what is the wealth of the glory of his inheritance in the holy ones, the saints, us. And what is the excellence of the greatness of his power in us by those things which we believe according to the action of the immensity of his power, which he performed in the Messiah and raised him from among the dead and set him at his right hand in heaven, higher than all principalities, rulers, powers and dominions and uh, higher than every name that is named, not only in this universe, but also in the uh, that which is coming. And he has put everything into subjection under his feet, and he has given him who is higher than all as the head of the church, which is his body and the fullness of him that fills all in all. Jesus raised us from a dead place where uh, nothing worked. Our eyes didn't work right. Our ears didn't work right. Nothing worked Nothing worked as it should. When a dead person is dead, nothing works on them. But but by the resurrection and us uh, being raised with Christ, now we're alive. Now our eyes should be able to see. Ephesians 
the process of perception. Ephesians chapter 4, uh, verse 17. But I say, this is Paul writing, but this I say, uh, and I testify in the Lord Jehovah that from now on, you should not be walking as other Gentiles, unregenerate people, those that aren't born again, who walk in the emptiness of their minds. And they are dark in their intellects and are aliens to the life of God because there is no knowledge in them as because of the blindness of their heart. Those who have cut off their hope and handed themselves over to lewdness and to the cultivation of every impure impurity in their lust. But you have not learned Messiah in this way. If truly you have heard him and you have learned of him uh, as whatever is truth is in, in uh, Yeshua. But you should put aside from your uh, from you your first way of life, that natural birth, that as what uh, that as the old man, which is corrupted by deceitful desires, and you should be made new in the spirit of your minds, and you should put on the new man, uh, being that man that's born again, who has been created by God in righteousness and in purity uh, of the truth. Now, the, he said the Gentiles are walking in the emptiness of their mind. They're, they're walking in darkness. Their mind is dark. Their intellect is dark. Uh, their heart is dark. The mind is the heart. Uh, he said that they're aliens to the life of God because there is no knowledge in them because of the blindness of their heart. Ephesians 4, 22, but you should put aside from you the first way of life, that old man, which is corrupted by deceitful desires, and you should be made new in the spirit of your minds, and you should put on the new man who has been created in God in righteousness and in purity and in truth. Ephesians 1 verse 16, I do not cease to give thanks for you and to remember you in my prayers so that the God of our Lord Yeshua, the Messiah, the Father of glory would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation with his knowledge and that the eyes of your hearts would be enlightened that you will know what is the hope of his calling and what is the wealth of the glory of his inheritance in the holy ones, in the saints. Now, the Gentiles way of processing things is through the flesh, the natural inclinations, the natural man. And when we talk about Joseph, we talk about Joseph's brothers. They operated in this way and it was manifested in Galatians 520. Uh, it talks about hatred. It's one of the works of the flesh. It said his brothers hated him in Genesis 37 verse 8. In Galatians 5 21, uh, it talks about uh, envy, being envious. His brothers envied him in Genesis 37 11. Galatians 5 21 talks about murders. Some of his brothers wanted to kill him in Genesis 37 18 and 20. Galatians 5.20 talks about strife and contention. His brothers could not speak peacefully to him in Genesis uh, 37 verse 4. Galatians 5.20, uh, uh, seditions and divisions, it talks about that there. And in Genesis 37, 19 and 20, Joseph's, uh, Joseph's brothers separated themselves from him. Uh, some of them conspired against him in Genesis 37 and 20, conspired to kill Joseph. Uh, some of his brothers lied to their father. We see uh, several perspectives in this scenario. They looked at, it's, it, you know, it's how they looked at Joseph. It's how they looked at the situation. It's how they looked at the fact that, their that Jacob, 
their father made a coat of many colors, a long, wide tunic is what it was that he made for Joseph. And he loved Joseph more than all of his children because he was the son of his old age. But it's how they viewed Joseph that caused them to, to do the things that they did to him. The two pharaohs down in Egypt that we're, gonna, that we're talking about really represents two perspectives. This is what the two pharaohs represent. They represent two perspectives. I want to read you a passage of scripture. Um, uh, it's found in Proverbs, the book of Proverbs, chapter 29. The book of Proverbs, chapter 29, and verse number 2. Proverbs 29 and verse number two. It says this. It says, when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked beareth rule, the people mourn. Now, we're going to uh, start talking about this, 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 uh, this Pharaoh situation because Joseph uh, interpreted the dreams of the Pharaoh at that time who was Pharaoh down in Egypt. And Joseph's brothers came to him in Egypt. Joseph's brothers, all that they had and their father came to Joseph in Egypt. In verse 47 of Genesis chapter, I'm sorry, in verse number one of Genesis chapter 47, it says, then Yosef, which there is no J's in Hebrew. So that's why it says Yosef. It's not Joseph, but Yosef came and reported to Pharaoh saying, my father and my brothers with their flocks and herds and all that is theirs have come from the land of Canaan and are now in the region of Goshen. Uh, verse two says, and selecting a few of his brothers, he presented them to Pharaoh. In Hebrew, Pharaoh's name is Paro. Uh, Pharaoh said to his brothers, what is your occupation? They answered Pharaoh, uh, we, your servants are shepherds. We uh, as as were also our fathers. Then Pharaoh said this. He said, the land of Egypt is open before you. Settle your father and your brothers in the best part of the land. Let them stay in the region of Goshen. And if you know any capable men among them, put them in charge of the livestock. Yosef then brought his father Yaakov, Yaakov, and presented him to Paro or Pharaoh, and Yaakov or Jacob greeted Pharaoh, and Pharaoh asked Yaakov, how many are the years of your life? And Yaakov answered Pharaoh, uh, the years of my sojourn on earth are 130. Few and hard have been the years of my life, nor do they come up to the lifespans of my fathers during their so sojourn. Then Yaakov bade Pharaoh farewell and left Pharaoh's presence. So Yosef settled his father and his brothers, giving them holdings in the choicest part of the land of Egypt, in the region of Ramses, as Pharaoh or Pyro had commanded. Yosef sustained his father and his brothers and all his father's household with bread down to the little ones. Now there was no bread in all the world for the famine was very severe. Both the land of Egypt and the land of Canaan languished because of the famine. And then 
further it reads, it talks about these are the names of the sons of Israel who came to Egypt with Yaakov, each coming with his household. And it gives us the names, but we're not going to, we read the names last time, so we're going to uh, kind of skip over that part. Um, but you see how each of Joseph's brothers had a different perception of him. This Pharaoh had a certain perception of Joseph. He was more welcoming. He was more hospitable. He said, look, you take your family, you put them in the land of Goshen, you take care of your family and allow them to stay there. The Bible says, but the, but the, the Israelites were fertile and prolific. They multiplied and increased very greatly so that the land was filled with them. Then it says, uh, now at this time, uh, you know, uh, Joseph and his brethren, brethren had died off or what have you. It says a new king arose over Egypt who did not know Joseph. He said to the people, look, B'nai Yisrael are much too numerous for us. This is what this Pharaoh is saying. They're much too numerous for us. They're fertile and they're, and, and they're increasing and they're prolific. And they're multiplying and things like that. So this Pharaoh says, let us deal shrewdly with them so that they may not increase. Otherwise, in the now listen to what he's saying. Otherwise, in the event of war, they may join our enemies uh, in fighting against us and rise from the ground. So they set taskmasters over them to oppress them with forced labor. And they built garrisons and cities for Pharaoh or Pharaoh. Pithon and Ramses, but the more they were oppressed, the more they increased and spread out. So the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites. The Egyptian uh, ruthlessly imposed upon the Israelites the various labors, and they made them perform ruthlessly, and they made their lives bitter for them with harsh labor at mortar and bricks and with all sorts of tasks in the field. The king of Egypt spoke to the Hebrew midwives of whom uh, was the name Shifra and the other was named Pua, saying, when you deliver the Hebrew women and when they're given birth, uh, when you deliver the Hebrew women, look at the birth stool. If it is a boy, kill him. If it is a girl, let her live. The midwives, fearing Hashem or fearing God, did not, as the king of, Israel, uh, of Egypt had told them, they let the boys live. So the king of Egypt summoned the midwives and said unto them, why have you done this thing, letting the boys live? The midwives said to Pharaoh, because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women. They are vigorous. Uh, before the midwives can come to them, they have given birth. And Hashem dealt well with the midwives and the people multiplied and increased greatly. And because the midwives feared Hashem, he established their households for them. Then Pharaoh charged all the people saying, every boy that is born, uh, that is born, you shall throw into the Nile, but let every girl live. Now, this is what Pharaoh was saying from the very beginning. He began, uh, and let me say this about Pharaoh. I believe Pharaoh was a narcissist and a narcissist is a person who has an excessive interest in or admiration of themselves. On one occasion, Pharaoh said, who is God that I should obey him? Pharaoh was a narcissist. He was also full of paranoia, uh, uh, suspicion. Uh, paranoia is a suspicion and a mistrust of people or 
their actions without evidence or justification. He had no evidence. He was just saying this stuff in his own head. He was also uh, full of schizophrenia. Schizophrenia is a long-term mental disorder of a type involving a breakdown in the relationship between thought, emotion, and behavior leading to uh, faulty perception, inappropriate actions and feelings, uh, withdrawal from reality and personal relationships into fantasy and delusion and sense of mental fragmentation. Now, you remember I said that uh, uh, when we read in the book of Proverbs, how that when the when the wicked rule, the people mourn, the, 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 the people, it means that they groan uh, uh, and, and they mourn. But when a righteous person rules, then the people rejoice. Pharaoh was this Pharaoh that did not know Joseph was a wicked ruler. And, and you know, he was prejudiced towards the Israelites because of something that he made up in his own mind. Number one, he uh, he was uh, a narcissist. He was full of paranoia. He was uh, schizophrenic, but also uh, he was he was full of fear, and it wasn't uh, it didn't have no basis. There was no reality to what he was saying because he was saying this in his own head. And I said this to someone one time. You know, sometimes people. Uh, you know, buy them a new house or a new car, and then someone would say of them, oh, they think they're all that, and all this kind of thing. But did those people tell you that? No, you think that they think that they're all that. All this stuff is going on in your own head. And this is where, where a lot of the race wars come from because of someone's perception, how they look at a certain group of people, how they view a certain group of people. And, and really, uh, Israel went down into Egypt to get help, but because of someone's uh, uh, slant on the situation or on the people, uh, and when I say slant, I mean their view, yeah, the, the, the way they looked at them, and because he was in a position of power, these people wound up in a bad place. They wound up in a bad position. E Egypt was lovely before this Pharaoh arose. Because they were getting fed, they were being taken care of, they were able to live in the land of Goshen. But because of the perception of someone, how they looked at them and how they looked at the situation, which was totally wrong, which was totally backwards. And that's why people that uh, like this should not be in office. I'm sorry, they should not be in office. A narcissist should not be in office. Someone who is full of schizophrenia should not be in office. Someone who is paranoid should not be in office because they make up all of these situations that's not even real, but it's real to them, you see. But and how is it that on the one hand, you had one pharaoh that was so welcoming, so inviting, so hospitable. But then on the other hand, you have a pharaoh that is a, a tyrant, that is, is a, really a dictator because the people of, even the people of, Israel, of, of Egypt, uh, when, the, when the famine was going on and they began to cry to Pharaoh, Pharaoh said, go and see Joseph. And then when they went to see Joseph, they brought their money to buy food. The Egyptians I'm talking about bought their money to buy food. Then when the food ran out, they told Joseph, we don't have any more money. Or when the money ran out, rather, they told Joseph, we don't have any more money. So then they said, well, look, you take our cattle 
and 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 use that as on consignment. We just just take the cattle and give us the food and whatever you make from the cattle, then you keep it. So then the cattle ran out and they said, "Look, you take us. We'll be your sir. We'll be Pharaoh's servants, and 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 we'll belong to him." So then they they were at a disadvantage anyway. And so now they're under this tyrant, under this pharaoh, under this schizophrenic, narcissist, paranoia type person that 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 is ruling in the land. And they're under this person. So they really don't have any choice in the matter. And so now the devil, Pharaoh, has the upper hand to put them into bondage. And that's what he did. But nevertheless, even though the situation looked like that, remember now that the children of Israel went down into Egypt with prophecies on their life. The prophecies of God went before them. God said, I, I am going to be with you in Egypt. And even though things looked difficult and things looked hard, God said, I am going to be with you even in the hard places. He said, I am going to be with you and I am going to make you a great nation. There was nothing really that Pharaoh could do. Because everything he tried to do, God undid it, you see. And, and, and he said, you know, I'm going to come and I'm going to bring you up from that place. But, but it, it all depends on perception. And you'll begin to see that more and more as we begin uh, to go deeper and deeper into the children of Israel and being over in Egypt and going through the wilderness and all those kind of things. It, 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 it matters how we look at things, from what perspective we look at things. And when I say how we look at it, are we looking at things in our natural senses, in our natural man, or are we looking at things through the revelatory eye of the Holy Spirit? The Spirit uh, 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 causing us to know how to operate in our spiritual senses. Because if we look at it in the natural we will never see God because you have to remember in John 4, 24, the Bible says that God is a spirit and we cannot see God except through the revelation of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, uh, I believe it was John chapter either 14 or 16. He said, the Holy Spirit will come unto you and he will take of mine and show it unto you. What did, what did the Bible say? What did Paul say? He said that that I has not seen nor ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man, the things that God, there are earthly things and there are spiritual things, but we cannot see them without the spirit because he said that the spirit, who knows the things of a man except the spirit that is in him? He said the spirit will show those things to us. And in John, uh, I'm sorry, in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus, everything was so visual. He's talking about people. He's talking about God in heaven. He's talking about God that's our father. He's talking about God's will being done on earth. He's talking about fasting. He's talking about not looking like you've been fasting because it's all visual. We're, we're such visual people. We want people to look at us and see that we've been fasting. We want people to look at us and see how much money we have. We want people to look at us and see that we're prosperous and all that kind of thing. But he said, what you really should be looking at is not all these earthly things that moth and rust it will, will corrupt and where thieves will dig through and steal. But you should have your focus uh, on heavenly things. This is where our eyes should be fixed. Even while we're walking on the earth, 
There are there is a natural realm and there is a spiritual realm. Many times we our eyes get caught up in this natural realm and we look at what's around us, the material things that's around us. But Jesus says that those things are going to be corrupted. Those things are going to pass away. Those things are going to corrode. Did you hear what I said? Those things are going to corrode. But what really matters is that we see in the spirit because there are natural things and there are spiritual things. And God wants us to not just see what is going on us on around us in the natural, but he wants us to see in the spirit. And he said he wants us to know. Many times we don't know what God has for us because we're still operating in our natural senses and the natural senses is for the things of this world. But there are other things in the spiritual realm on this earth that God wants us to see, but we have to see with the eyes of the spirit. Let's pray. Father, we thank you right now in the name of Jesus. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for the spirit of God. We thank you for the anointing. Father, as we go along in this podcast, I pray that you'd anoint me, Lord, that you'd enable me to be able to explain and to be able to break down, Lord, what your word is really saying, Father. I pray that you'd help us all to get out of our natural senses, Lord, because there's so many things in the natural that are discouraging, Lord, but those things are real. But Father, the things in the spirit are more real. Your word says, while we look not at the things which are seen, which are temporal, but we look at the things which are not seen, which are eternal. Father, help us, Lord, to 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 not only see through our natural eyes, but give us light as our natural eyes need light to be able to see. Give us revelation. Give us light to be able to see with our spiritual eyes, Lord. Lord, even as your servant Elijah, Lord, when he when they when they were being surrounded by the enemy and all of their chariots, Father, and the servant began to tremble and begin to be afraid, Lord, and Elijah prayed, Father, that you would open his servant's eyes. And when you did, he saw not just the natural chariots that were around them, but they saw, he saw the spiritual chariots, the chariots of fire that was sent from heaven and that was surrounding the ones that were surrounding them. Lord, help us not just to see the natural things that surround us, but help us to see into the spirit and the spiritual things that are surrounding the natural things that are surrounding us. Where we know, Lord, that it doesn't matter what it looks like in the natural, but it matters what you're doing in the spirit because the spirit, you are con you are in control of every natural event, every natural event, Father, everything that can happen on this earth, you're still in control. So, Father, I pray that you would keep your people, Lord, help us, Lord, to walk with you and help us to be obedient to your every command. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. God bless you. If you would like to email me, it's revkevandtheroot2020 at gmail.com. Revkevandtheroot2020 at gmail.com. Also, you can visit the website at chocolatecommerce.business. That's chocolatecommerce.business. Uh, thank you for listening. And until next time, God bless you.